What is going on, everybody? It is Monday night, and it means it's time for the Monday Rewind here on the OBR. And it's a special Monday Rewind because for the 2022 Cleveland Browns season, it is the last Monday Rewind uh, of this season as the Cleveland Browns finish out their season 7-10. and 10. They lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a great way to end the year. What we were all really hoping for is that they go into Pittsburgh that last game of the year, they'd get pronounced. And we'd go into the offseason with nothing to worry about and just full of excitement. And that's where we are here on this last end of season Monday Rewind. Uh, we got we got a good show. We're actually, uh, uh, without me being a total smart aleck, uh, we got a lot to dive into here over the next hour. We're going to look back at this season. We're going to look ahead at the offseason because it's on now. The off the offseason's here. Uh, and, and we're going to get into so much more, including talking about all the events of today. So... With that in mind, joining me uh, right now uh, from the the Blair Witch basement, as we're going to call it, uh, is Andrew Spade. Go follow him online at Andrew Spade. Andrew, what's going on, man? Uh, Not much, Mike. This is uh, my second live show of the day. Um, I hosted the first one, and I'm not hosting the second one, so I'm I'm committed to being an agent of chaos for you tonight. Well, I saw Philly in the comments right off the bat. Uh, He hopes I'm drinking a lot tonight. Uh, because he wants to see, I don't know if I need the drinks to be unhinged. To be honest, I think the drinks hinge me. I, yeah, no, the 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 vibe I'm getting is that you're already unhinged. So we'll see what happens from here. I live unhinged. I don't know the last time I've been hinged. Oh wow. Okay, you're sort of a sort of an extreme fellow. <laughs> yes, well, and especially when you use fellow, uh, it makes mm-hmm. me seem very extreme. Uh, so we got Andrew here. Brad Ward is going to jump on with us. He just sent me a message that he's going to be a couple minutes behind as he's rushing to get here. Uh, but uh, uh, first of all, before we get into to what we're going to talk about for the show regarding the Browns, make sure you're following the OBR. Make sure you get over to the website uh, and subscribe to the website where you can read all of the best coverage so far uh, that you're going to get. Uh, no independent site has been covering the Browns longer than the OBR. Nobody's going to cover it better than the, uh, than the OBR. So make sure you get over to the website. Check out Rumor Central. Check out Ask the Insiders. Check out all the articles these guys are writing. Uh, check out the buzz. There's a lot of good stuff going on on the website. Make sure you're subscribed here as well. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch, we appreciate you for joining us throughout the entire season. Uh, and we want you to be a part of the show tonight. So make sure the comments are already going uh, like crazy. There's a ton of comments already. Keep the liveliness up. We want you to be a part of the show. We appreciate you as well. So, Andrew, it's the Mike. Monday Rewind. I, I don't really have... I was sitting here making like a, a an agenda kind of for the show here tonight. And mm-hmm. I realized that there's no real part of my agenda that calls for me to talk about the Browns versus the Steelers this week. Oh, interesting. Well, it happened. I, <laughs> I, that's kind of how I feel. Like, right. Like it's kind of, I, I don't know that there's anything that I really want to talk about, about that Brown Steelers game, because I don't really know that there's anything indicative in that game yeah. of anything about the Browns moving forward. Like, I, I, I just doesn't – that game did not feel like I was watching a Browns game. It felt offensively – and I, I'm interested to hear your take. Offensively, it felt like they were just going to try out a bunch of stuff in that game and just see what happens. Defensively, we know it's not going to be what we're going to see moving forward because the same defensive coordinator is gone now. Uh, and so you're going to be running a little bit of a new scheme uh, moving into next year. So, I don't know. What, what, is there anything of value that we should be taking from that Pittsburgh game? Um, just the fact that I think that they should have won and they lost. Yeah. I mean, I, like I, what, what I would say to you, Mike, is that I think that, that Browns fans have for the most part spent the last two years being disappointed by this team. And, um, I understand that there are lots of good reasons we can, we can sit here and be smart guys and say, Baker Mayfield's shoulder injury to Odell Beckham leaving the team to to the Deshaun Watson suspension being almost doubled to the defense expected to be a top half of the league unit being one of the worst defenses in the league over the first half of the year. I I mean, there, there, like there is a big list of things that we can use to explain away why they went eight and nine and seven and 10 over the past two years after making the playoffs and winning a playoff game. But where I've kind of landed after two full years of this is that I'm I, I'm just I I don't find any of these excuses particularly convincing anymore, right? I think like part of being an NFL fan in my mind is that sometimes 
you they like things happen in a way that's better than you expect and sometimes they happen in a way that's worse than you expect it's been two straight years of it pretty much being worse than we expect and i i i i'm kind of at a point of of running out of patience for that and so to me when you talk about like not taking anything from last from yesterday's game i don't think you're wrong i think that's the smart i think that's sort of the smart take but i also think you look at like what the lions did to the packers last yeah. night there's no reason that we shouldn't sit here and say, why couldn't we have that? Like, <laughs> like why can't we be like the Lions? <laughs> right. I mean, like, the bar <laughs> is not high. I'm not asking for the Browns <laughs> to have suddenly gone 13-4. and four. I'm asking, why can't they pleasantly surprise us? No, I think it's interesting. I, You know, to me, in my opinion, I don't think the offensive game plan was, let's attack the Pittsburgh Steelers and see how many points we can score. I, they wouldn't tell you that. But... I know everybody wanted them to run the hell out of Nick Chubb to try to get him to, to win the, the rushing total, whatever. They weren't going to do that. You're not going to... Everybody could be really excited if they run Nick Chubb 30 times and he breaks the rushing title, but then they run him the 31st time and he tears his ACL, right? They're not going to do that. They're not, they're not going to risk that. Uh, I think there was a level of, we're not going to risk a few things in this game. And I think the other level of it was, we're just going to kind of throw this ball around and just kind of see how it happens. And... So to me, offensively, it just it didn't feel like an effort to win the game offensively. And you can be mad about that. And I can't argue with it because it is a regular season game. And the effort to win the game, it's hard to say we're not going to have that effort. Again, defensively, it was one of the first comments. I think it was fumble, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, we're seeing the defense in this game. And this is why I just can't get too worked about up about it because they did something about it. No, I, I hear you. You blow a coverage. You, no, you, and I, I, like, yeah. Third I'm and not 15. sitting here saying that. Right. No, last night, yesterday's game is not like the reason. I'm not saying it's the reason, but I'm just saying like it's getting old. Like the, the excuse sure. making in my mind is getting old and it's getting less convincing. And, it, you know, it, it, because I, I, I think that, that it's possible that you're right, that they wanted to try certain things offensively and their number one priority wasn't moving the ball down the field to score touchdowns to win the game. Having said that, I also think it's possible that Kevin Stefanski thought that was the best way to uh, attack the Steelers. And so, like, I, you know, like, I, I think that you can you can have that opinion, but I think you also have to be willing to admit that it's possible that they just failed to score many points against the Steelers, which, by the way, would kind of fit what the offense has looked like over the past half of the season. Yeah, uh, it, it's I will say this. There's if, there, if there's one thing I'll talk about from this game that I care about talking about. Why in football, why in football is like the, the coaching explode, like in baseball, if a, if a manager in baseball feels, senses that his team is kind of, they're lagging, they're, they're not sure. pulling their weight, that coach will find something to storm out of that dugout for, and he will go get in a massive fight with an umpire, and he'll get kicked out of a game, and the fans of the home stadium would be going ballistic, and it, in basketball, you'll see a coach march out on the floor, get yeah. technicals, yeah. get... They'll have to be fake restrained by their coach. It's my favorite thing in basketball is when yes, like that scrawny absolutely. little head coach. Yeah, Tom is the best at it. Has to be fake restrained by all mm -hmm. of it. He's like swimming yeah, through yeah. his coaches. Right, yeah. Why yeah. is football different? If, if there's one thing I want to know, and again, this is not a, this is not a, I think Kevin Stefanski needs to be more this, this, or that. But man, I'm telling you, I've never had a tweet blow up because I don't have tweets blow up ever. I've never had a tweet blow up like the one yeah. I put out yesterday about Kevin Stefanski, that missed face mask was yeah. literally the worst. That's one of the worst. I, I, I have been a football official. I've been a football official for years. I've trained football officials. There's no physical possible way that you do not see that call. It's right. impossible. I was a white hat. I was the head referee. Yeah. There's no way you don't see that call. Yep. If I'm Kevin Stefanski, I'm getting kicked out of this game. You know what? I'll be out at midfield. Right. I'll be out there, and again, this isn't a Kevin Stefanski commentary. But why didn't that happen? Why doesn't that happen in football? Like, why is that in football? <laughs> it's like everybody just on the sideline hanging out. In yeah. all the other sports, they'll just run out there and just start right. screaming and get kicked out. And I, right. why does that not happen in football with any coach? The only thing I can figure is that the head coach is more integral to the operation of the team. Like he, they need him, you know, to like the, to, for for the for the team to like have their best chance to win. They need their head coach either calling plays. Or making decisions and to change all of that operation mid-game is is, you know, I mean, uh, baseball, you know, 
do baseball managers really do it much? You know, like it's it, especially these days. Like, with, yes, with, they do the, a There's lot. a book on everything. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, analytics. I, <laughs> I think, yeah, I I think that I and I said this on the OBR account during the game yesterday that that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen, and I I genuinely believe that it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that missed face mask. It was then the roughing the passer call that was the makeup call for the face mask. That was just as every bit as bad. Um, well, maybe not every bit as bad, but it was bad. There was there was there were two different phantom DPI calls on the Browns. Two different on on Martin Harrison. Uh, you know, and, and so you, you know, I mean, I see people in the comments talking about you know that the league kind of decided that we weren't you know going to have a winning season and that there's a conspiracy to hold down the Browns. I you know. I, I'm never going to believe any of that stuff, but I, I I will say that there is a reason that the Steelers are usually the team on the other side of the field when the Browns seem to be on the wrong side of the officials, right? Like uh-huh. there are teams that get the benefit of referees and there are teams that don't. And the other team, you know, we talked about Lions Packers already. The other team that gets the benefit a lot of the time is the Packers. And so um, when you're playing the Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're, playing a little bit uphill to be perfectly honest that's just the way the nfl works and it sucks that's fair hey listen i want to get uh, i saw him jump in here i want to get brad ward in here uh brad ward online at ward on sports he made it brad what's going on man gentlemen i apologize for being tardy uh you know some things came up but i'm here how are we doing everybody we doing good? Tardy slip. i'm gonna need you to get it signed by your parents and return it uh by no later than wednesday Oh, what happened there? Did we, he's, did we zone out? He's gone. Oh, Brad's gone. Hey, Brad was here, and now he's gone. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Maybe I can Probably. get him back in here. There you go. Are you back, like Brad? I... Can you hear us? Yeah, I, I believe so. What, are we having communication issues here? You it seemed like you froze. But that's okay. Uh, okay. I will say, I, I want to bring up that that comment by Fumble13, the official or, – um, uh, for what it's worth, Jim Donovan said that that Kevin yeah, Stefanski was given was given the officials the business. You didn't they didn't show it on TV at all. That's not what I'm talking about. Again, I want to make it very clear. I don't care that Kevin Stefanski isn't this like boisterous. No, you love Kevin. You're, over, you're on the record. You're you are I, I, Kevin Stefanski's biggest supporter. I do. I do. You, love you Kevin said Stefanski. today in our Slack that you'd have no doubts about him as the head coach of the Browns. I don't. No doubts. I don't. I think I that's don't. exceptionally that's that's wild. I, don't, I didn't say I don't have any criticisms. I didn't say he's no. Perfect. I know. I didn't yeah. say he's. I don't have any doubt that that is the right guy for the head coaching job. I'd have no yeah. doubt. I'm, I also I have wish no I doubt have that, that Andrew Barry's the right guy. Mm. But, wow. But uh, I don't care. These. I'm just saying. In that one situation, you're already eliminated from the playoffs. You just watched your quarterback get dragged down by his face in the middle yep. of the game. Run out to midfield and kick a referee. Like, do something. I like. <laughs> what? Get, I, I, I don't know why that doesn't happen in the NFL. I don't know why coaches yeah. don't get don't yeah. get, get ejected from games get when things are going crazy. And, and, and you, you made a great point, Andrew. You made a great point. I think head coaches are probably more integral to games than they are yeah. in maybe some of the other sports, and that's fine. But you know what? Hand it off to Joe Woods for his last hurrah and walk to the <laughs> locker room. And like, <laughs> ah, ah, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, Brad, we, we talked a little bit. I, I told Andrew coming in, I didn't have a lot that I really cared to talk about from the Steelers game because I don't think it really matters. Uh, Andrew makes a really good point in that just losing a game you shouldn't lose to a team that is not as good as yours. I mean, defensively, they're better. Offensively, though, that's not a better football team. That's not more talent than the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but I just don't think the game matters. And I, and I think I, I'm more interested in talking about using this kind of last Monday rewind of the 2022 season to talk about the season uh, and, and to talk about what's happened. So let's yeah. go into it a little bit, guys, because I do want to talk about one thing that's happened since the last time we talked, because we had a live show this afternoon after uh, Joe Woods was fired. And we talked a lot about that and a lot about what that means and, and, and the replacement possibilities. And we'll get into that a little bit more tonight. But since then, 3.30 rolled around this afternoon. There was a Browns press conference. And Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski sat down in front of uh, the media. And they were asked questions. Some media members just bulldozed, bulldozed over the other media members to ask questions and didn't want anybody else to get a word in. Some media members asked the dumbest questions I've ever heard in my whole life. 
Uh, if you don't know what I mean, I'm not going to call him out by name, but go listen to the analytics question. <laughs> yeah. Or, or better of yet, course. should we and, have an analytics department? You could probably department? guess who that came from, too. Should we have an analytics department to analyze whether we're yeah. using analytics too much? Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, yes. But let's talk about it a little bit. Um, it, it was asked, uh, I, my least favorite thing Kevin Stefanski said, I'll give him a criticism in it to just to kind of soothe your feelings, Andrew. My yeah, least favorite thing that Kevin Stefanski said, and I'll let you guys both talk about it. <laughs> I just saw the answer in the comments. I won't say it. Uh, he was asked pretty early on about letting go of, of Joe Woods and, 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 and what kind of led to that and all that stuff. And he got so focused on coach speak, which he can do, that his answer was, you know, we're just going to go back and look at everything and, and we'll make decisions from there. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> you already made a decision. You already fired the dude. Like, there's no going back and looking at anything. He's gone. Uh, so, guys, just talk about Brad. Did you watch the press conference? I did. Um, so, give give me your thoughts on on just kind of the press conference. Take the take the Kevin Stefanski route. Thoughts on anything you heard from Kevin Stefanski in that press conference? Yeah. So you know when these two are up there together, it is basically a, an expert. Uh, tutorial on how to say a lot of words without saying anything and generally that's kind of the way you want your it's frustrating for us and fans and i get that but that's kind of how you want them that's how it should be handled really in my opinion uh instead of like hugh jackson who would just you know tell you everything you wanted to know uh and, and, and you know when he was up there but um I did find one intriguing thing uh, from takeaway from it is that they have not decided or would not commit to the fate of uh, special teams coordinator Mike Prefer or anybody else on the staff for that matter. So, uh, yeah, so that is still – do you believe that that is still in the balance? Because the way he talked about it, it felt like it was still possible. In my opinion, a hundred percent. I think it's. I think it's. Yeah, I think there's several coaches that are still in the balance. First of all, I think, you don't think it's possible, Andrew? No. Okay. No, I. I think he was just doing. I think he was just doing the thing where he doesn't want to answer the question. So the way that he often avoids answering a question is to say that he hasn't had time to make a decision well, yet. Well, that yeah, I get that. But why would you do that with this? Because he because he doesn't want to get into evaluating somebody's job. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to publicly comment any more than he has to. And this is not an answer one way or the other. This is just declining to answer because he hasn't done it yet. Well, it I mean the the way the question was phrased, just to push back a little bit, sure. was uh, have you? Is it possible that you know anybody else could be fired? And he basically said yes. We have not gotten to those conversations yet so i get your point but um i do think it's on the table still a little bit i'm yeah i mean i'm i uh would be happy to be wrong i i have been pretty vocal that i think you Mike may be Reeves right should should be fired be but right. i just i i think i've seen him use that tactic a lot Sure. Over the year, over the years, where he says, "Well, that's happening tomorrow, so I can't talk about it." Basically, understandable, understandable why you would feel that way. One hundred percent. I thought that was interesting, though, because you know, it seems. No, he obviously could have just said yes. He's going to be back, right? And then that right, right, that, and yeah. that's no, what I, I, I expect. Yeah. Right. I expected him to be like, "Yeah, no, you know, as far as." Special teams goes, Mike Prefer will be back. You know, as far right. as any other changes. We'll have to see, but the mm -hmm. way that he it was specifically asked about Prefer, and he specifically said we haven't, you know, that's mm -hmm. still on the table. I thought it might be open still. Maybe, maybe not. I could be I, wrong. You could be right. Either I way, to, I, I tend. I was going to say I tend to think. You know, I, I, I uh, this is an area where it may be frustrating for fans, but I, I get it. it. Like, let's say the the intention is to keep Prefer. And I tend to, like, I think it's possible that they could fire him. I think it's possible because anything is at this point. But I feel like they probably would have done it when they fired Joe Woods, too. Like, it probably yep. would have just been done, just one sweeping. Yeah, it feels done. like that, right? That's, so, I tend to lean that way. I but think it's I, more likely. But, but I will say, I wouldn't, if I'm the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, 
and I come out in this press conference the day after the season where we've just fired our defensive coordinator, and I come out and say, no, we're not firing Mike Prefer. You're, you are. You're going to get 15 questions immediately about, well, what about this with Mike Prefer? And what about that? And right. What about what he said about the kicker? And what about the kicker's performance? And what about this? And what about how, what, what about why can't, why can't the defense or the, the special teams coordinator teach a guy how to catch a punt? And, you know, like you're going to get all that. And yep. I wouldn't, as a head coach, want to be sitting there evaluating my coaching staff before I've probably really talked to them very much yeah. to the media. Right. So you, yeah, you both make, uh, yeah, you both make really good points there. You may have, you guys may have swayed me <clears throat> from, uh, my little bit of, it may have been wishful thinking that, uh, that they were still had hope of firing him. So, but yeah, you go, both make good points about why he would have not done that. Um, but either way, I'm going to choose to leave the, uh, believe that maybe just you know five percent chance that they still fire mike um anything else from this that was really taken away not much um well not from the kevin stefanski side i don't think i don't think there was a lot more to take away from the kevin stefanski side i don't think there's a lot to take away from any of it listen i will say one thing i thought they one thing that bothered me um today and you know i guys i i like kevin uh and i like andrew a lot but they came across very arrogant uh in a situation where they had no reason to be uh and that bothered me yeah i i don't know if i agree with that i don't know i don't know if i thought they were you don't think they came across as arrogant today no i I agree with you brad i didn't i thought they did I didn't. Although I will, I want to ask down this question to you. They talk down mm-hmm. to they talk down to everybody like they are smarter than everybody. And generally speaking, I'm I I think I I have enough wherewithal and self. You know, they do know more than most of us, but they don't need to behave that way, right? Like or talk to everyone that way. Uh, I thought it was a lot dismissive, uh, and uh, you know. Uh, joking with each other a little bit is kind of obnoxious to joke with each other at the, you know, while they're asking them serious questions uh, after a seven and 10 season that kind of irked me a little bit. I got to be honest. Yeah. I I, I think it's, I think it's subtle, Brad. I don't think it's like, it's not like hitting you over the head with a hammer of of, uh, smugness, but there, there is, there is definitely a, a, an undertone in the way that they carry themselves that, very much gives me the impression that they think they know better. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, I, d- I did not pick up on any, like not even a little bit did I pick up on that, but that I'm also an idiot. So there's, there's a chance that I well, just might not. I, and, and I think like this, I, I, and like, I, this is not at all a piling on thing, Mike, but I, I think that I, I kind of mentioned this in Slack. And I think this is one of the things that a certain segment of Brown's fandom is going to have to kind of get their arms around this off season is that these guys feel like the types of guys that should be able to fix this. And I think that there's a, there we are, I, I am, I have found this in myself this year. I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt beyond what they deserve because it feels like they should be able to be, they should be able to eventually get there. Oh. We lost Brad again. Brad just said, "Screw it." <laughs> just yeah. Screw well, so now it's fifty-fifty. You're no longer outnumbered. I, I see no, what you're doing. No, you know what? I, but I, <laughs> it, there's there is an element of that that I will agree with you with. I there's an element of these guys inspire some kind of confidence that that maybe they shouldn't. But there's also an element of there's an element of this is going to take a little bit. And it's not going to be linear. Like, hey, hey, welcome back, Brad. Uh, Sorry, and, and I did that on accident. For me, that's the way. <laughs> it was, I hit the wrong button. I was trying to close out of something, and I closed out of you yeah. guys. I apologize. Uh, I think the, the hard thing about some of the conversations we've had in Slack, the comments I've seen, the comments from people, whatever. Yeah. It, 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 there's an expectation a little bit. Maybe, maybe almost a, a, a subliminal expectation that this is like a linear process. You're going to start with a team that wasn't very good with these guys, and then it's going to progressively just get better over time. And in fact, when you look at just the progress of, of, of really good teams, really good football teams, rarely is it linear. 
And so when I hear things like, oh, well, they made the playoffs and won a game two years ago, but then they've gotten worse the last few years. Yeah, but it's not a, it's not like, sure. It's not this like they have, okay, well now you got to win this next one. And then, and then you win the Super Bowl, and that's how it works. And boom, it's easy. It's not other teams are making moves too. And it's, and it's not a vacuum and, sure. and other things are coming into play. So when I, when I, when I'm listening to these guys talk, I'm also putting it into the frame of look at all this other stuff though, too. Like it's not just what they're saying and what they're doing, but there's other stuff. And, and listen, that's not me saying that this year was great. It was seven and 10. It wasn't good at all, mm-hmm. but there's other things that go into it other than just like, what did Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski say? Uh, I do want to ask you a question, Andrew, about Andrew Barry. Sure. Charlie Chuck asked this at seven Oh three. And I went all mm-hmm. the way back and found it. Uh, A.B., one thing, uh, we asked a little bit about how Kevin Stefanski was talking. A.B. sounded pretty confident about having enough money and resources to get what they need this offseason. I believe his quote was something to the effect of, we've got plenty of Mm -hmm. things that we can do. We will have more than enough resources to address this team the way that we want to. So, so Andrew, just your thoughts on that comment from Andrew Berry, because that's something that people are, I'm seeing tweets from people very out of context, Saying, well, the Browns only have two million dollars of cap space this year, yeah, without yeah. any other frame of reference right. there. So, what were your yeah, thoughts? I mean, on th- that? Th- yeah, no, this is this is an area where I would say that that it's this is a little bit of a learning curve for 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 myself for for Browns fans generally, um, and it's it's a little bit of unknown territory, right? Because the 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 team has not operated close to the cap for years. Like they have they have had the luxury of not operating in that way because they were playing. Even in the last years where they've been contending, the starting quarterback was being paid on his rookie contract, and so it's really since acquiring Deshaun Watson, the, the their phase of where they're at every year now they will not be rolling over much cap money. They will be operating probably fairly close to the salary cap, in my opinion, for for the foreseeable future because the their assessment of the team, as as far as I can tell, is that their window of contention is wide open, which means that they need to be leveraging all of their resources, including all of their available cap space in a way that they didn't last year, two years ago, three years ago. So we as fans now have to get used to a different set of questions. It's not about looking at the number of available cap space the day the season ends. It's about what moves can they make to create the cap space to make the moves they then want to make. And that process is not something that we have experienced. And the other piece of that is how much of your future flexibility do you mortgage to create more flexibility this year? And that's also something that we haven't had had them do before. They have never operated that way because they would, in the past, if they had borrowed from the future, they were borrowing against when they were in the middle of their contention window. Now, if they borrow against the cap in 24, 25, 26, they're borrowing against years where they might, they might evaluate that they have a lesser chance of competing for a title. So, it's a, it's almost a 180 from where we've been as fans and 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 understanding how this team manages the salary cap. Uh, the draft pick conversation is a little bit more straightforward, right? They don't have a first round pick, but they do have a fair number of picks overall. They have a compensatory uh, third round pick from the uh, Quesia do Fomenza hire. They have another pick, I think, from last year's draft uh, when they traded down that that they yeah. have this year. So so they have they do have a few assets there. Um, in the later rounds that if they want a package for players, they, you know, they have that sort of flexibility. So his answer there, I think should give Browns fans mostly the indication that they plan on being aggressive in addressing positions of need this off season, which is something that we kind of thought they might do last off season after the Sean Watson trade. But they, I think they hedged a little bit because of the, the suspension that they knew was incoming. And, and I think, you know, I, I mean, to zoom back out to the conversation that we, that we were having, I'm not all the way out on these guys. I just think that they're, they, they've lost the – they bought themselves an immense amount of goodwill with me, for example, because of the 2020 season. And yeah. that, that has evaporated. But they can absolutely jump right back into the uh, Hall of Fame lane if they go out and have a killer offseason – and start the season four and two or five and one or whatever, and go on to make the playoffs. It's it's all in front of them. It's not like they can't do it. It's just that I want to see it. And I'm not going to sit here in, in March and say, well, it's Andrew Barry. So it's probably a good move. Like, I think we've earned the right now to say, we need to see it. We need to see these things bear fruit on the field. And there's, there's more, um, 
there, there's more criticism inherent in not uh, not deferring to their wisdom is what I'm saying. So, Brad, um, you've been oh, go ahead. You've, you've got a point. I just wanted to elaborate on a little bit of what Andrew's saying. And I, I think he said it pretty much exactly what I was going to say is I when he says that fans should feel good about that, because if you look at their financial standing, there is a ton of places they can create space uh, with, you know, restructuring bonuses, uh, Watson's bonus, Chubbs, Tellers, all these can be uh, rolled up into signing bonuses, thrown a void year on and open up a good deal of money to spend. Uh, and I think they are probably going to handle it that way because like the Conklin signing kind of tells me that's where we're going, right? We're going yep. into an all in window where, uh, they are going to spend what they need to. And when he yeah. says we will have plenty of assets to address the areas on the roster that need addressed, I feel good about that. Uh, there's another thing that Andrew Barry said that I think got a lot of Browns fans worked up. And I'm a, I'm not, I'll, I'll be honest again. Here's another thing I'll critique because it got me worked up. Andrew, Andrew Barry was asked about the play of the offensive line this year. Mm -hmm. And Andrew Barry said, uh, specifically Jed Wills, and Andrew Barry said, yeah, we're really pleased. We felt like they made a lot of strides this year. We think it was an area of strength for our team. And I think early in the year that case could be made. I don't know about any time of the year for Jed Wills. But early in the year before some injuries, I think that case could be made. I think the offensive line was playing pretty well. This back end of the year, after the injuries to Conklin and Teller, and obviously you're throwing in, and again, I don't want to punish them for, for throwing in some you know, having to play Froholt a lot and, and throwing, you know, James Hudson's out there a lot and all that stuff. But I don't think this offensive line play was very good at all. And I, there's just certain things like that. Like in a press conference, I expect coach talk. I expect non-answers. I expect non-committal things. I expect non, uh, uh, you know, controversial things. Yep. But I, But I also don't expect to hear things that are like, way over the top egregious. And that's what this felt like. Like when he said, yeah, I felt like our O-line was a real strength for the team and, and it took a lot of steps this year. I don't know. Is that is that a moment that caused you guys some pause when, when you were listening to the press conference? Uh, not really, because I don't think he's going to bash them. So they just frame this stuff in a way that they can sort of kind of hedge their bets and say, uh, semi-positive things and, and move on to the next question. I don't put a lot of stock into that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's I think there's a, a, a real question about where this offensive line sits going into next year because I think, you know, Jack Jack Duffin has been, been pretty outspoken about this for us, um, that Wyatt Teller is being paid like a top-five guard and he's not paying playing like a top-five guard. So that's a, that's a problem. Um, at center, you have Nick Harris coming off of an ACL. Uh, and then Ethan Postich is a free agent. So the, there is an active question of who the center will be. Joel Batonio is, you know, the, is the guy. And then I think you have two players of different level of question at both tackle positions. Jack Conklin's questions are really more about health. If he's healthy, he can do it. And I, I'm excited to have him back, but we don't know that he's healthy. And with Jed Wills, it's, it's really just a question of how much he wants to be an NFL player because there are, Snaps in almost every game where it looks like he is not interested in playing the game of football, which is disappointing because he's got a uniform on. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's very fair. And listen, uh, uh, on YouTube, D Flat says this. These guys don't call out the players. It's not how they, how they handle their business. Yep. I don't see how right. that's so hard to understand. That's not what I'm talking about. I didn't want Andrew Barry to be like, these guys sucked. <laughs> but to come out and be like, yeah, I think it was a strength of the team. Like, there's uh, there's yeah. another way to do that. Like, you know what? We've got we've got some areas on this on the on the offensive line that we, I think we need to address. And you know, we're always looking to get there's coach speak to do. They're, we're always looking to get better. All that stuff. When he said, "Oh yeah, I think they, I was, man, Jed Wills has been. Listen, he took some strides this year. I was like, he took one the stride reason, and then he stopped and then he yeah. paused. <laughs> the reason he's speaking like that about the, especially Andrew Barry about the offensive line is because he has so much money invested in the offensive line. Like he really right. can't talk about it in any other narrative that's fair that's you know what yeah it's it's fair it's just i didn't really 
I didn't love that. Didn't love it. Yep. Anyways, no, uh, let's let's move on to uh, let's move on to what we were talking about before. Before we dive into the team for the last bit of this. So as of now, since the last time we talked, the Browns have secured permission to talk to several guys for this defensive coordinator position that is now vacated with the firing of Joe Woods. Uh, they have reached out and gained permission to talk to Gerard Mayo, Brian Flores, Jim Schwartz, and uh, Sean Desai. Who, first of all, that list, Brad, uh, if you haven't read the article, and it's been a few, a couple weeks now, uh, but if you haven't gone and read on our website the article that Brad wrote about defensive coordinator possibilities, these guys are all front and center on that list yeah, of five, defensive five, coordinator five, possibilities. Um, so we kind of talked about all those guys before. Is there any, I want to know this. Is there anybody that's not on that list so far that you're like, this guy's got to get on that list? Cause I think there's some, uh, I don't know why his name's skipping my head, but the guy out of Denver major Denver. questions. Yes. So major so questions because he's going to get head coaching position looks. So there was a tweet on this from Jake Trotter mm-hmm. uh, that the Browns have expressed interest, but he is interviewing tomorrow for the head coaching job in Denver. Right. So, uh, but the Browns, uh, somebody from the Browns told uh, Trotter, or Trotter, Trotter, Trotter. They call that him Trotter. <laughs> Uh, Jake Trotter, that he's very much on their radar. Where is it? Yeah, um, yeah so there was a tweet about that, that Evero is on their radar. If you figure they, they interview one of these guys a day, and they probably don't start the interviews until later this week, this this process definitely goes into next week, which gives Evero plenty of time to figure out if he can get a head coaching job. And if he can't, then he becomes a candidate. And if he does, obviously he doesn't. So I think I think it, this is one of those things. To me, it feels like it takes care of itself. I don't I don't see the Browns the way that this front office uh, and coaching staff work rushing to you know sign Jared Gerard Mayo tomorrow. So it's going to be two weeks. In which case, they have enough time to wait for whether it's Evero or Raheem Morris or whomever to become available for the interview, you know, late next week. Who's the fifth? I, I listed off four guys and I must've missed somebody. Who's the fifth guy that got permission to talk to? Cause you, I think Andrew, you said, you said five for five. Oh, well, I was just uh, counting wrong. I guess I had five in my head. I'll, I'll look. It's, there's this many on your hand. That's five. Well, I don't have it's... a thumb. You know, that. Why would you <laughs> <laughs> you know this you know this about me you know uh, this about me so go go back to the other question though so maybe take out some of the guys that are going to be long shot difficult guys like him my son's waving everybody um who's not on the list yet that you guys are like that get that guy on the list right now he's he's gotta be one of the guys they talk to uh eric washington from the bills should be on that list 100 percent um I think that that will come for sure. Uh, I think it'd be crazy not to. Uh, I I would hope they would interview Jim Leonard, but once again, uh, we won't hear about that unless it leaks, right? Because they don't need right. permission to speak to him. Uh, Desai, I, I was glad to see. I you know I added him. I was impressed by him. And I was glad to see that he got you know they they saw the same kind of stuff, right? So they went and uh, asked permission today. So that was interesting. Uh, you know, Flores, I think Joe Witt Jr. probably gets an interview. Um, he is the DB coach for the Cowboys. So I think he might get an interview. And there's another of name number of names on here. Now, none of them like stand out like Nick Rallis, linebackers coach, uh, Philadelphia Eagles seems to make sense. They have a lot of connection with the Eagles. Uh, but the thing there is that their DC is getting, once again, this stuff has to play out. Their DC is getting looks at head coaching jobs. So yep. if their DC is going to get a head coaching job, they may want to hire from within for their DC job. So uh, a lot of this stuff needs to play out that way. I think the other the other dimension here when you start talking about other names is that, um, you know, as you go down this list, um, you start talking about guys that haven't done it before. And uh, – you know, Brad made the point during our first show today that that this really does need to be a, a strong hire 
for the Browns has to be, you know, because, because of where they're at in their, in their window and what their expectations are next year. Right. I mean, I think we, 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 we obviously have different, you know, a different sense about kind of the, the confidence level we have in these guys to get it right. But I don't think any of us disagree like what the bar is for next year. It's, it's gotta be like a division championship, right? I mean, isn't that the goal, a a title? It's gotta be, I mean, it's got to be the goal. It's got to be fighting for it at least. Right. So, so if that's your, my point is, is if that's your goal, you're not going to do that without anything less than probably a league average defense, unless you think you're going to have like a world beating offense. You're not going to, you're probably not going to have the chiefs offense. So you need better than the chiefs defense is I guess one way to put it. So yeah. Um, in that case, I feel like they need to be prioritizing guys that have proven they can do it. And so that does kind of narrow this list a little bit. Sure. Yeah, it, It'll be interesting. Does it, do either one of you guys have like a dark horse candidate, like somebody that's like, you know, that you're not really reading about, or you're not really seeing too much of that you think, oh man, if they could like pry this guy away and nobody's talking about it, but like, that's a guy that I would love to see here. Any, any dark horse candidates? Well, I mean, I, I said it during the show earlier. I, I think that person is Todd Bowles, but it's obviously so dependent on what happens with his existing employment. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, I would actually my dark horse and I kind of said this to Andrew last week it was Desai and now he's got the invite so uh now he's not proven so right you know and that and that Seattle defense looked a lot like the Browns defense did this year yeah yeah and he was he he was he was the DC in in Chicago last year right yeah. So yeah, he is. He was the DC in Chicago last year, and they loved him there very much. So he did. He has called plays before, and he has been to DC before. I totally. Uh, you're right. Uh, but but, but they, I think they were a little bit up and down. I mean, it was a, it was a bad team, and I think the defense was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they they thought very highly of him. Is is basically yeah. they sure. they were upset that he got away in the process of bringing in uh, what Eberflus. So. Uh, who is a defensive guy himself and has all his own guys. So, um, you know, he was kind of my dark horse candidate. But if you're looking for proven, you're looking at Schwartz, right? You're looking at, uh, you know, Evero. Um, you know, those guys are going to be, the I think, the, the best guys available. Flores, for sure. Uh, Mayo isn't really proven, but... He's not like unproven either because he has called plays for a long time and his reputation in the NFL is is such that I don't think he's as much of a reach as some other guys. So to answer this question from Amatora One, and I'll answer this for all of us guys, who do you guys want for DC? Obviously, I think the answer that we've all kind of come to a conclusion on, co-defensive coordinators, uh, Greg Williams and Rob Ryan, I think is uh, we want to bring both those guys back let them run the defense and roll from there. Right. If but you like, like feet, then you're in with me. No, no. That's Rex. Ryan. Man. That's Rex. Ryan. <laughs> That's Rex. Ryan. You big dog. Well, Rob, probably. I mean, no, Rob, doubt Rex. Played. It's all the what, same. What I, what I, if they're going to do that, what I want is for Greg and Rob to be in one big t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's fantastic. I, and who was the other I'm coach? not going to be able to get that image out of my head. Who's yeah. the other one. coach from hard knocks that did the hook? Oh sure, nose. Bob uh, oh, Bob yeah. Wiley. Yes, Bob Wiley. He can come in too. They can all share a shirt. Yeah, one Polo big, is like, going to be raking in the yeah, dough. One big like eighteen XL. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that'll fit. Rob OG Phil, uh, first hot pants, now feet. Yeah, yep. yeah, there it is. I know. So guys, let's let's real quick kind of look back. This is the Monday rewind, so let's look back at the whole season uh, and let's just talk about it uh, before we get out of here in the next fifteen minutes or so. Uh, so first of all, let's look back. Uh, let's look back and look ahead at the offense. So. Kind of quick hitters here, uh, but but you guys can each take stabs at these. Uh, the, the most the, the big glaring question over the last several weeks did you did you see enough? Did you see enough of what you wanted to see from Deshaun Watson? Yes. Uh, I, I it, it's such a hard question because you're parsing what you saw from. Watson and what you saw from Stefanski. And I mean, to your point at the beginning of the show, Mike, like, were they really trying to win games down the stretch here? I mean, I've been been playing around with football outsider stuff today, uh, trying to get like a, you know, an overview of the season. Um, 
four of their seven worst offensive games came with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Sure. So I'm just, I think there's reasons I, for that. Well, I will go. two of, two of the, yeah, one was the New Orleans game and the other one is the Pittsburgh game, but one can be the Houston game. I mean, yep, and the, and the worst one was the Houston game. His first game back. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it's, it's still. You're right. You're right. Those are, those are bad. Like, a lot of those games are very bad. All of them are negative DVOA games, which is, considering how they run the ball, even towards the end of the year, that's, it's very hard to get into negative DVOA. So it's, it's concerning. I mean, I, 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 I don't think you can say that you've seen enough not to have a question of whether or not, I mean, I, I guess I'll put it this way. What, what do you think the floor is for the, for the offense next year? What do you mean by floor? Like what? Like, I mean, what is their, like what is their production wise? over? Yeah, exactly. What are they, what they're, uh, you know, it, it, to me, they, like they, the range of outcomes now is like somewhere between like the fifth best offense and the 20th best offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it, that needs to be like a top twelve offense. Like, all right. So here's the thing. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like Watson, going off of my eyes, my eye test, and, and, and you're right to to take the numbers into account, Andrew. So I'm not disregarding that that you're that factor. But I'm just saying, my eyes tell me. He's still a star. My eyes tell me it, he'll get it figured out, right? Like, we've seen the glimpses. We've seen the good throws. We've seen the athleticism. There's nothing missing that that should make him, you know, not be what he used to be at some point. Now, to unlock that, like, here's the concerning part. To your, to your point, Andrew, what Watson's supposed to add is, like, uh room for air right like he's supposed to widen the gap in in how much room for air you have in the rest of what you do like look at the chiefs they were like one of the worst turnover ratio teams in in the league this year but it doesn't matter because they have so much room for air so that's what you're looking to do with a quarterback like watson and that did not happen this year to your point and with the statistics and stuff so but i do think strictly evaluating Watson alone, I saw enough with my eyes to say, yeah, he's a stud. He's going to be the guy. It may take him a little bit longer than we wanted, but give him a full off season. And I think he's, he's a stud. And I think this, if done properly, now we bring into the account of Stefanski and everything else, this should be a top 12 offense to start the year and better than that at the end of the year. I think uh, so. Again, I'm going to kind of move through these really quickly so we can hit them all over the next <laughs> 12 minutes or so. Uh, Sorry. The next, the next thing on the list, the the development of Donovan Peoples Jones, I think was huge. Uh, Amari Cooper came in here, and and a lot of people said Amari Cooper's a really good player, but I don't think a lot of Browns fans kind of understood how good he was going to be, and he was great. And Donovan Peoples Jones now develops into a guy that you're comfortable having out there. I was not comfortable with Donovan Peoples Jones before the year. I don't I still don't think he's great at getting open, but he fights and he makes contested catches and he makes big catches for this team. And Donovan Peoples Jones a guy that I'm okay being out there. So, I think a big storyline of this year was the development of a 6-round pick Donovan Peoples Jones this year into a guy that outside of a wonky end of the year should have been pushing for a thousand yard receiving season. And, and hopefully is doing that next year. So between that and then how do you complement those two guys to, to really make this a dynamic offense? What does that look like? So talk about the development of DPJ and then what is, what's the proper complement to those two guys look like? You want to go first or me? You guys are so polite. Mm-hmm. Um, real quickly, I thought that this is worth note- noting right now. Uh, there's an article that just came out on Bleacher Report about Brandon Cooks uh, wanting out of the Texans. He says he is on good standing uh, with Nick Casario. They are in good communication uh, and that he has a desire to work an offseason trade this offseason. Yep. He feels like a really nice fit, guys, uh, as the guy that I was talking about that is different from DPJ, different from Cooper, uh, and brings that other element. Guys like that, um, you know, are what we need to add. 
as far as Donovan Peoples-Jones. Loved the pick when they took him. He has become uh, exactly what we thought he could become. Like, he has played out to his ceiling, and, and he's just getting better. Like, so... Uh, I do think he gets better as a route runner as they keep coming. But what a pleasant surprise to hit on a guy that late in the draft and have him work out. I think he's a real NFL two at this point. He's proven that. His efficiency numbers are great. Uh, last year, the worry was with more balls and more volume, do those efficiency numbers stay? And they have. So I, I'm a big fan of DPJ. Yeah, I think the question is what they plan to do with him long term, right? Because this is this will be his last year under contract in 23. And so, you know, whether or not they reach an extension with him is, is the question. I mean, to your point, Mike, I think, yeah, he, his development has definitely been a bright spot offensively in, in a year that, that you know, probably didn't have as many of those as, as we wanted to see by the end of the season. Um, I, I, you know, if they are truly pushing all their chips into the middle of the table, I think a, a, somebody like DeAndre Hopkins makes a ton of sense. Another opportunity to potentially buy low on a player who is expensive, uh, given the production that he had this year, but could be cheap if he produces like Amari Cooper did, you know, that sort of thing. So, and that really would elevate the Browns wide receiver room into, you know, something truly borderline unguardable, uh, which is. That would be elite. If, I mean, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know it's a, a little bit of a pipe dream, but you know that's that's to me yeah. if 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 the if the idea that Andrew Barry is pushing is we have plenty of resources to get these sorts of things done, that's the sort of home run swing you could take. I also yeah. just we got to shout out Kevin Cycle for this one because that's that's solid joke making, and I we like to see it in chat. And well and, done, and best wishes to you, Kevin. Uh, all yeah, right, last thing about the that. offense, we're going to go to the defense after this. Uh, last thing on the offense. Uh, I, I, I want to be. I want to get your critical hat on, and then your complimentary hat on. The best thing about the offense this year that you saw. The worst thing that you saw about the offense this year. Brad, go I'll ahead. Take, oh, yeah, no, Brad. no, Brad's going to take. No, it. please. I, I need no. a minute. Go ahead, Andrew. Oh, and well, okay. We'll let we'll let Brad think. Andrew just spouted off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the 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 funniest thing is the best thing about this offense is the is one part that we can almost guarantee won't be back, and that's Jacoby Brissett, right? Like. The and and you know it, it's probably the easiest thing that you could throw back at me, Mike. If I have doubts about Kevin Stefanski, is that he had Jacoby Brissett playing his best football career for for that that eleven game stretch that he was a starter. So that is for sure the the accomplishment of the offense this year. On the other side, um, I think the regression of the running game, specifically around the offensive line, is the biggest concern because I don't know. That I mean to speak to next year, I don't know how you can be confident that those guys are going to show up and be good again, like good, like elite, top five. Brad, I think the best part of the offense was that we learned that we have in Cooper working out here and Peoples Jones working out the way that he has. That we know we have two of the three guys in this wide receiver core. I think the, our wide receivers separated from everything else were very, very good. Um, our pass catchers, to Serge's point, Njoku as well, right? Mm -hmm. He, without injury, I think he lived up to that contract, and that was a big question. So I think those three guys, you have a, a core of good pass catchers. You're missing one speedster, dynamic guy, in my opinion, or... DeAndre Hopkins, who's unguardable either way, you know, to Andrew's point. So um, the worst part, I would have to agree with Andrew, is that th what I thought was a, uh, you know, the offensive line, what I thought was, you know, a terrific offensive line, and at one point was like the second-ranked offensive line at PFF this season, uh, really, you know, Teller just – is he hurt? Is he hurt? Because if he's hurt, then get him off the field because guys are just running right past him, right on every play. Um, you know, what do we do at center now? Uh, I tend to think it's probably Nick Harris, which I'm okay with because I think he would have been fine if he didn't get hurt. But uh, you know, there you have more questions on the offensive line than you ever thought you would at this point, especially the amount of money you've invested in draft capital. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Andrew, I'm with you. Jacoby Brissett's the best part about the offense this year. For me, the worst, um, 
outside of some of the things you guys have said, but I think Kareem Hunt belongs in that conversation. Oh, for sure. Rough year for Kareem. Uh, All right, let's roll over. We got just a couple minutes left, but I do want to hit the defense really quick. Uh, Defensively, man, this, this year was up and down and back and forth. And just when you thought maybe they were starting to get a little bit better, the defense would then give up the most ridiculous drives. And then the the blown coverages would would rear their ugly heads. And it kind of felt like even though there were holes on this defense, this was supposed to be a defense that was going to be able to get to the quarterback. And this was supposed to be a defense that was going to be able to generate turnovers. They weren't particularly great at those things. So questions started to fly early about some of the big names on this defense, right? People started questioning Denzel Ward early in the year. People started questioning Greg Newsom. Is this guy a guy that can really play? Grant Delpit, way early in the year, was involved in some of those blown coverages. Is this a guy that can actually comprehend the game and play? John Johnson, the third. How did how did the defensive backfield come along? That was an area that we were all so excited about coming into this year. And then there wound up being questions about literally all of those guys, probably the least of which was Martin Emerson. Uh, who got questioned this year? Just talk about uh, the development and and your kind of concern or 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 hope for the defensive backfield moving forward. Go ahead, Brett. Yeah, uh, Martin Emerson is a freaking dog, and I love him. Right, like seriously, he uh, is been a pleasant surprise. Very much like him, uh, and he kind of, um, you know, although you mentioned the. Uh, struggles of ward early i i strangely am not concerned like i feel like he showed enough late that he will still be the guy that he is if put in the right position right like it was weird struggles early right like and it it was collective too so you know i think a lot of like his 20 30 you know pff grades that made you make you want to vomit that you saw from him early in the year uh you know aren't all attributed to just him it was kind of a defensive failure what is happening right now michael uh a defensive really i have no idea i don't know what's going on a defensive uh failure uh as a whole so i am not worried about the uh secondary at all if i think that was your question uh, i think that uh greg newsome playing out of position was a poor uh, decision <clears throat> that I uh, had questions about when they made it this offseason. Uh, and I think that we saw on just Sunday, he played much, much better outside uh, as they played him outside a lot more and moved A.J. Green into the slot where he had no business being. But um, so I think one of the things they need to bring in is a true nickel slot corner who can come on the field when you need a nickel to just play nickel against a good wide receiver or you know or you can use um or you can use uh newsome there in certain matchups but i don't think you should be depending on newsome to be your nickel corner moving forward he is better as an outside corner i uh, so uh, yeah. He wanted this flipped so that he could hear what we were saying, and then he just asked mm. me what a nickel, what a nickel was. <laughs> so I got a long conversation coming after the show. I got a long conversation uh, about what a nickel is. Uh, real quick, Andrew, any anything to add to that? A nickel. Well, I would just say that um, I think the secondary is the litmus test of the question of how bad the coordinator was this year. Um, it, you know, we we think Joe Woods was pretty bad. If he was, then they should hit the ground running next year with yeah. a different defensive coordinator. If they don't, then the assumption that we've been making that Denzel Ward is who he think we think he is, that Greg Newsom was a hit as a first round pick, you know, that Grant Delpit can really do it. All of those sorts of questions really start to come to the forefront. And, you know, if we see more of the blown coverages with a different defensive coordinator, then, you know, it's going to be kind of pretty awkward because it's going to be like, oh, it was the guys all along. Um. All right, real quick, uh, I do want to address one thing that we didn't talk about last Monday, Rewind. The Jadavion Clowney comments came out. Then he gets benched. He gets sent home. He doesn't go to Pittsburgh with the team. They basically say, see you later, Jadavion, as he comes out and blames the team for his lack of production, saying that the team was more concerned about getting Miles Garrett into the Hall of Fame than they are about winning. 
and he looked, I think, in my opinion, he looked really bad. But this is the second year in a row that at the end of the year we've had somebody. It was Odell Beckham last year. It's it's Jadavion Clowney. How much do you put on? How much do you put on the guys? Kind of just being those kind of guys that are going to speak out and whether they're right or wrong, they always feel like they're right. And they're going to say what they have to say. And they don't care about burning bridges out of town, heading out of town or how much I've, I saw people saying that's a reflection of the coaching staff. This is the second year in a row. We've got players saying stuff like this as they had out of town. Is well, it, and is it a mix of both or do you feel like this is more one side or the other? Don't forget also that Baker Mayfield didn't finish the season last year either. He, he left the team before the he, – he left and went to rehab his shoulder at, before the Week 18 game last year. So um, it was it was Beckham and Mayfield last year and then Clowney this year. Um, I, I don't know how you don't take that at least partially as a reflection on the coaching staff. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear me say that. But it, it, it just can't be anything else. I mean, it – like and and if it's not a reflection on the coaching staff because they're not getting guys to buy in, then it's certainly a reflection on the front office for bringing in guys that I mean now Mayfield and Beckham were not their guys, but but still you know Andrew Barry publicly chased Jadevian Clowney for for a few years, and then he got him, and this is how it ended up. So it, there there is definitely a feeling generally that the the. The Browns are chasing players that want to be on winners. Clowney is no – he makes no bones about that. Same with Beckham. And the Browns aren't winning. So one something's got to give there. And and I think that you can say that the coach isn't, you know, getting them to buy in. But I think you can also say they're chasing the wrong types of players. Um, listen, I'm not absolving the coaching staff here, but – in Beckham has a, a history of doing this sort of thing, right? Uh, and it was his dad, too, right? Like, that really made it public. So, I don't know how... Like, like listen, he's always kind of been that kind of guy, right? He did it on the way out of New York. He did it otherwise, right? Uh, I, I think the clowny has done this at every stop. And Baker Mayfield is very much uh a tool and kind of a flake so you know we know how that he talks to the you know to and is spiteful and holds grudges yeah, right don't like disagree all three guys are very much this is this is the kind of guy they are now the difference is i'm sure there's these kind of guys in other locker rooms too but you don't see this happen so the question is like sometimes it's unavoidable like with clowny I think it's unavoidable. He had a bad year. He had a good year last year. So you brought him back hoping to get a rep, a, you know, a repeat performance of that. And it yeah. didn't happen. And, and then on the way out, he said, screw you. I'm taking everybody down with me. And he yeah. sounded jealous. I mean, I mean, like the comments about Garrett, come on, dude. It's not like it was a surprise that Garrett just showed up on this team. You knew he was here. You know what I mean? You had the same coaching staff last year, but now it's an issue this year. I mean, come on. It it doesn't line up for me as far as Clowney goes. The problem that I had and wrote about and that we've talked mm -hmm. about is that they aren't uniformly in line in as a coaching staff in how they handle these situations afterwards. Uh, so if you're not going to talk about it, Kevin Stefanski, then neither should your coaches or players. Uh, and they did not execute that at all. There's a failure there, uh, for, and whether it's because, you know, uh, Chris Kiffin thinks he's on his way out the door, maybe, right. you know, but, uh, and, and Miles just talks as much as he wants to anybody yep. and they're always having to kind of talk cover that needs to stop. Like culture wise that needs to stop. Like he can't just go out and say whatever he wants every week in the press conference. If your whole philosophy is let's keep things in house. All right. I got two more things I'm going to hit. We're already running over a little bit on time, but I want these nice, short, quick responses. Last question regarding the, uh, the Cleveland Browns, the one move, it can just be a position. It can be a specific one move. They make this offseason makes the biggest impact uh, on the field, not, not a coaching move, but one move they make player wise this offseason that makes the biggest impact for them on the field. 
as far as turning them from a 7-10 and 10 team to a team that's contending with the Bengals and the Ravens uh, and maybe even the Steelers, who knows, for a division title next year. Go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry. I heard the last part of it. Repeat What's the question. What's the one move on the field, not coaching, player-wise, that they can move this, they can make this offseason that makes you excited that they can go in and contend for a, a, a division title next year? Dynamic wide receiver three. There it is. Andrew? I would say uh, fixing the safety position. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I... Delpit has definitely shown flashes. I'd like to see more consistency, obviously. Um, and I think, you know, given the type of player he is, I think they need a true center fielder and they don't have it. Fair. Uh, I would throw defensive tackle, uh, some sort of interior defense, Absolutely. some sort of interior sure. defense into that yeah. mold. You can't, you can't, you can't have a game where the Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons of all teams just decide they're going to throw the ball seven times in a game and beat you like that. Yeah. We can't have that. So, uh, all right. Last question before we get out of here. It's national championship night. Final score prediction. Georgia, TCU, Andrew. Oh, I don't know. Georgia 63, TCU 5. Brad? So, uh, I have uh, some ducats on this one. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I took uh, Georgia to cover in the under. Ooh. So, we'll see, what, let's see how that plays Only out. Only one way to get there, then. See how that goes. Georgia is currently leading 10 nothing in the national championship, yeah. and I want to go watch it. So that's going to do it for us on the Monday Rewind, uh, the last Monday Rewind of the 2022 Brown season. For all of you guys that joined us uh, on the Monday Rewind this whole season, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time. And to everybody that hosted with me, uh, whether it was Fred or Cody or Anthony, Andrew, Brad, uh, shoot, we even had Jared Mueller on early in the season. Uh uh, just shout out to everybody. This has been a great time hosting the Monday Rewind all season long. Keep it tuned into the OBR. I think there will be some streaming changes, but we'll be streaming all throughout the offseason. And the OBR, the offseason is the regular season here. Uh, and so we're hard at work making sure we get you guys the best coverage that we can get you. Uh, stay tuned this week. Jake is going to do Chalk Talk tomorrow uh, from the Brown Steelers game. Uh Stay tuned to Garage Beers tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to bring in one of our favorite guests, uh, Cameron Justice, that covers the Browns. Uh, we always do like a preseason, postseason thing with Cameron. Uh, so Cameron's going to join us tomorrow night to talk about the Browns season on Garage Beers. Wednesday, OBR Weekly. Thursday, it's the weekend kickoff. I don't know what the hell you guys are going to do on the weekend kickoff. <laughs> Somebody tell me. But you guys Somebody figure talk. it out. Uh, and we've got so I'll much more. You. So uh, to everybody that joined us live here tonight and all season long, thank you so much. Uh, we do want to say thanks to Ian McBride behind the scenes. Ian has been uh, doing all the graphics and getting us on the air and making us look better than we look uh, all season long. So shout out to Ian McBride for doing that uh, and uh, and to everybody else. We hope you have a great week this week. For Andrew at Andrew Spade Online, for Brad Ward at Ward on Sports, I'm Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike. And uh, hey, until whatever we're doing next, we'll see you then. Cheers, everybody. Go Browns. So, do you we think TCU is going to win? Do you think TCU?